0: transportation system is falling apart, literally. Hi everybody, I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. The state of our infrastructure is, quote, terrible, unquote. So says my guest today, Richard Grant. He is a principal with Russell Corrosion Consultants. The name of his firm identifies the culprit, corrosion. It's eating away at our highways, bridges, vehicles, ships, any place where you find metal. It's a combination of nature and human neglect, but whatever the reason, something has to be done, and soon. We'll hear Richard lay out the problem and propose an action plan for solving it. Or, as he puts it, how to shift our mindset from reactive to proactive. So here is my conversation with Richard Grant. Richard Grant, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: Yeah, thanks for being with us. How bad is the problem of corrosion in the nation's infrastructure right now?
1: Well, I wouldn't even categorize it as bad. I'd categorize it as terrible. Uh, Our nation's infrastructure is uh, very old. It's getting older by the day, Uh, and corrosion is a process that uh, cannot be stopped. It naturally occurs. We can hope to mitigate it and plan uh, appropriately for it but it's taken its toll on our on our nation's infrastructure for sure
0: where is the problem most acute
1: that's a great question uh, we see it across industry quite frankly uh, we work with a significant amount of water and wastewater companies uh, oil and gas firms marine bridges power plants nuclear plants uh, even solar and wind farms uh, it's it's taken its toll across the united states uh, corrosion knows no bounds. If it's metallic, uh, it's going to corrode. It's a matter of how accelerated that corrosion is.
0: So we're talking bridges, obviously. Uh, what else exactly that would involve the heavy use of metal where corrosion would become a big issue?
1: Well, you can uh, you can certainly just take a drive down any highway and see all the metal that uh, could be uh, corroding, as well as uh, Buried infrastructure uh, in addition to infrastructure that's um, placed in the water, you know, marine pilings and dolphins and, and such things like that. I think where it becomes a real issue is just uh, certainly age, uh, the environmental factors, you know, how affected it is by, uh, by chlorides and salts and uh, marine environment, for instance, is going to accelerate that corrosion process. And then, how effective we've been at designing mitigating solutions or taking care of uh, taking care of those assets that are that are out there.
0: Have we already seen the, some of the consequences of this corrosion problem in terms of? I mean, obviously, we've experienced collapsed bridges and some damage to our infrastructure over the last few years. Has any of that can any of that be laid at the door of corrosion?
1: A significant amount can. We see it every day. I mean. It just doesn't make the news. Uh, what we're trying to do is, you know, quite frankly, keep our clients out of the news for the work that we do. But you see it every day in terms of pipeline failures, in terms of gas line ruptures, in terms of buried infrastructure uh, failures, in terms of bridge collapses. Um, we see it every single day. A large part of what we do is uh, is analyze uh, either uh, failed. Infrastructure assets or assets that are imminently going to fail,
0: how did we come to this state of affairs? Is it as you say just the natural uh the natural pull of nature that causes this to happen, or is it also through neglect of our infrastructure and failure to maintain it?
1: Well certainly it's both. It's not just the fact that we you know put something in the ground and 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 leave it there uh you know, there's there's a variety of factors that are in play here. One is just simply the age of our infrastructure. So, you know, we routinely dig up pipes from the early 1900s, sometimes the late 1800s. The design life of those assets, you know, that's not there for 150 years or 100 years. I mean, the design life of new things that are going in today typically 50 years, so we've already exceeded the design life of some of our buried infrastructure.
0: Mm-hmm. So On the okay. other
1: side of that, we're not maintaining it properly. Are we really understanding the condition of those assets, the environmental conditions that they're in? And then thirdly, we've we've taxed it in terms of our population growth. When this infrastructure was originally installed, you know we didn't have the population that we have now. We didn't have the existing or surrounding infrastructure, transit systems, cables, you know, power utility systems, roads, bridges, highways, etc., etc., that weren't there when they were initially installed. So we're we're taxing it in a variety of ways.
0: Has the technology improved? I mean, how do you protect against corrosion today in ways we might not have had available to us years ago?
1: Absolutely, the technology has improved. Um, There's a variety of ways. One would be from uh, coatings, you know maybe that's a fancy word to say paint, but uh, there's some advanced coatings for different environments, whether it's marine environment, desert environment, um, high chloride environment, there's a variety of coatings that can be that can be utilized. Uh, material selection, making sure you don't use two materials that are naturally corrosive to one another. There's uh, cathodic protection technology. So that's a technology where we purposely, corrode something else other than the pipe or the asset or the structure that we don't want to corrode. And we can set that uh, design up and implement that for our clients. So there's a variety of, of technical ways that we can improve uh, the longevity of, of our assets.
0: What do you mean by setting something up for corrosion that you don't want to corrode? What's the idea behind Yeah, that's, idea the, that's behind cathodic
1: that. protection. And uh, to, to keep it as simple as I can... Um, for, for the audience, essentially what we're doing is corrosion is a natural state, as as already uh, expressed here in this interview. So it's going to occur. So what we do is we purposely put a corrosion cell onto the asset, but we make our designed material, whether it's zinc or magnesium, that we connect to the pipe, corrode instead of the pipe. So we're going to make something corrode, but we're just going to make something else other than a structure we're trying to protect corrode, and, and that's how we do it.
0: Now, not to get too technical, and I do not have a technical understanding of this, but I do understand that the coating is, an elect- is electric conducting, that you have wires that run to the reinforcing steel at the core, that you generate right. some kind of AC power, which creates like a layer of hydrogen molecules, which inhibits corrosion. Is that accurate? How does that work?
1: Well, yeah, I mean the whole process of uh, of corrosion is electrical. So one metal is going to corrode at a faster rate than another metal, and you know zinc and magnesium would be, and aluminum would be at the top of that electromagnetic chart. So those metals will corrode faster than, say, steel or ductile iron or something like that that are typically utilized in uh, in our infrastructure. So if we can connect magnesium or zinc to steel or ductile iron and set up that electrochemical process in a way that is designed to corrode the magnesium or zinc, that's essentially what we're doing.
0: And you spoke about new materials. Are, uh, to the extent that anything new is being built today at all, uh, do those new structures include materials that are more protective against corrosion?
1: Well, that's, that's a good question, and, and the short answer is yes. The longer answer is we, we're trying to advise our clients on material um, connection. So we want to make sure that, you know, if they're using stainless steel bolts with ductile iron metal or et cetera, et cetera, whatever materials they're utilizing, it's never typically a singular material. We have to connect things. We have to weld things. We have to we have to bolt things together. So we want to ensure that we're either isolating those materials from one another, choosing the right materials that won't cause an advanced corrosion cell and uh, degrade the structure faster than uh, than is intended, or uh, put to, put a protective coating on it, depending on the environment. So we're really trying to advise our clients on on the right material selection up front to avoid any issues that they may experience without them even realizing they're, they're causing harm.
0: But you have to wonder, even with the state of the art of materials and technology being what it is today, we still see problems with new structures. I'm referring specifically to the new Bay Bridge here in San Francisco, which ran into all kinds of problems when the bolts turned out not to be the right ones, and now they have to backtrack and replace them. I'm not sure that's specifically a corrosion issue, but it does speak to the question of whether these so-called experts in construction really know what they're doing.
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, I think uh, I don't really know the the specifics on the the Bay Bridge bolts, but... um, you know, material selection is critical. You know, we run across clients all the time that, you know, say, hey, you know, we've used the, the latest stainless steel metals and and we're not really sure why this is going on. And, and when we dig deeper, we realize that unintentionally maybe they connected those metals with another metal that uh, is causing an advanced corrosion cell and they didn't even know it or it was unintended or maybe they're using – a general coating versus a marine-specific coating that's needed for high chloride environments. Uh, There's a variety of things, and and every detail counts when we're we're trying to mitigate the effects of corrosion because, like I said, it's going to occur. It's not a, hey, this will not occur. It will occur. It's a natural occurring state in the universe. So we've got to be smart on how we take that into account to prolong the design of what we're trying to, you know, put in place whether it's a you know a bridge or a pipe doesn't matter
0: this may be an impossible question to answer because as you point out it depends on the environment and the exact location and type of project but i'm wondering given current technology and current construction techniques the construction of something new today like a bridge how long could that be expected to last before corrosion becomes a serious problem before maintenance needs to kick in
1: well, it's a good question and obviously the sooner you can plan for maintenance the better and if you can take into account corrosion during the design li- design cycle in a proactive way rather than a reactive way of hey look what's going on we don't know why uh, you know you're going to have a better outcome for what you're looking for. You know, marine environments are the harshest environments there there are in in, uh, in the country and we've got to pay particular attention to those in, in terms of our material selection, coating, and, and if necessary, cathodic protection. So, you know, it's a project-by-project project basis, but it's got to be taken into account.
0: Is it an issue for ships as well?
1: Certainly. It's certainly an issue for ships. Uh, you know, the Navy has a whole cathodic protection program, coatings program. We've advised uh, the federal government on numerous programs ourselves, Um. Certainly. It's definitely
0: an issue. I'm thinking about the immense amount of money being invested by shipping lines right now in these huge new container ships uh, capable of carrying up to 18,000 20-foot containers. These giant structures that I would assume or hope that the owners or the operators would build in some kind of corrosion maintenance program into those ships. Is it your understanding that that's the case?
1: Uh, it's my understanding that is the case that they they are certainly building in uh, corrosion programs uh, for their ships because that's uh, very uh, if those ships aren't moving they're not making money so it's a it's a very revenue generated um, proposition for those guys as opposed to maybe a uh, uh, a different type of structure but uh, mostly from a coatings perspective is, is our understanding and, and experience. Yeah.
0: Now, I'm curious as to where law comes into this, especially federal law. Which particular infrastructures are required to be corrosion protected and monitored by federal law?
1: It's a a great question, and there's only one, and that's the oil and gas industry. Uh, That's the only industry that's regulated uh, by the Department of Transportation under DOT. And that does require corrosion protection, corrosion design, and corrosion maintenance and surveys on um, oil and gas pipelines because of the catastrophic uh, um, occurrence that that could happen if if a failure occurs.
0: That is an amazing statement. I had no no idea that uh, other structures such as bridges, where certainly lives are at stake if something goes wrong, Federal law doesn't come into play when it comes to corrosion monitoring on those structures.
1: That's correct. It does not. Yeah. It does not.
0: Is it your contention that it should?
1: Absolutely. I mean, it should be. Uh, you know, the industries, we work significantly in in the marine industry as well as water and wastewater utilities, buried infrastructure. So the, the, the cities and states and municipalities and owners are really doing that on a proactive basis. They realize the importance of it, the value of it. Um, we can take the lessons learned from the oil and gas industry and apply them to these other industries. But it's really they've got to find that budget in their capital planning process rather than plan for it because it's a law.
0: Yeah. Who decides and regulates all other infrastructure that is not monitored?
1: The owners themselves, um, you know, the owners of uh, the utility or the water, the state and local water utilities or whatever governing body owns the asset besides the uh, the ultimate budgets for those.
0: Mm-hmm. And so in the case of publicly owned structures or highways or the, or the like, it is an, an agency, a public agency that is responsible for that. In, in effect, monitoring itself.
1: Correct. That's exactly right.
0: And... Are they are such agencies doing a good job of that now, or is there some oversight problem that needs to be corrected? There,
1: that's, that's another good question, and uh, there are some agencies that do a better job than others, some that see the value of, uh, of uh, doing the monitoring maintenance and going from a reactive mode to a proactive mode. And there are others that you know uh will be more reactive hey you know unfortunately we've had a failure, and now we're going to figure out what to do about uh about the condition of our of our assets then so it's it's a mix and it's a mix all over the country
0: <laughs> yeah, I had heard previously i don't know how long ago this was, but there was some legislation proposed in the House of Representatives I am assuming did not pass would have provided tax breaks for the inclusion of corrosion prevention methods in non-pipeline projects. Um, is that a good way to go?
1: It would be a great way to go. Um, you know, it needs, to, it needs to occur. You know, no one wants to report on uh, failures anymore. No one wants to uh, say, hey, you know, we had this explosion or we had this bridge failure or, hey, we had this uh, wastewater line rupture and we polluted the environment or a watershed. Um, That's really what we don't want, right? And we know that um, these issues are not going to go away. We know that we don't have enough money to replace all the infrastructure that needs to be replaced. So we better shift our mindset from reactive to proactive in terms of how are we going to assess our current infrastructure, how bad is the condition of it, how can we prioritize it and what can we do for the existing items that we have to to get a safer more efficient longevity out of what's there
0: I heard a couple of years ago an estimate that the cost of corrosion damage in the US at that time was around 30 billion dollars a year have you heard any other any figures that uh, compare with that
1: Yeah that's that's the last um true study that's been that's been released it's certainly more than that now because that study is a little bit dated um it, it's definitely more than that and you know you can uh, just extrapolate you know uh some of the failures if you just did a google search and uh just take the dollars from those failures in terms of what that that's costing nonetheless all the things that people don't know about
0: yeah so let's talk about an action plan. What needs to be done right now in your estimation?
1: Well, a couple of things. I think right now, you know, our nation's uh, owners, whether it's state, local, municipal, uh, federal, and so on, need to really take a true look at the condition of their infrastructure. What, how long is it going to last Let's start where the major failures are. Can we help predict, you know, and prevent future failures? And let's put a mitigation plan in place. Uh, And it's starting at the uh, very beginning of the process. You know, what type of materials can we use? What type of coatings can we use? What type of designs can we put in place? Um, But really the first step is assessing. And we've got to assess our critical infrastructure and figure out what needs to be done because we know it can't all be replaced.
0: And then beyond that, we have to figure out a way to pay for it.
1: (laughs) We always have to figure out the dollars, yes. This this is true. But if you take the cost of replacing something compared to keeping it in working order safe and efficiently, it's a fraction of that cost. So that's where I, I believe, since we don't have the dollars to replace it all, we've got to start there.
0: Yeah. President Obama has proposed a fix-it-first approach to addressing the nation's infrastructure problems. I take it that would probably be a good way to go in terms of addressing the existing problems in the industry.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. only going to get worse. Yeah.
0: So what would you recommend in the area of education? Because I'm sure that's vital uh, to the public at large, to the officials that need to know, to the corporate executives that need to know. Where do we go with an education program that kind of spreads the word about this uh, dire situation?
1: Well, you know, part of it is uh, awareness. So it's interviews like this. It's uh, articles. It's uh, it's presenting our case studies at uh, trade shows. And it's getting the word out there to our clients on what's going on. I mean, the owners know what's going on. They know that the infrastructure they have in place is old. They know it's it's aging quickly. They know some of it's failing. You know, they know they're behind the eight ball on the money side of things. Um, but to really get a good impetus to push our, our legislators and to push our government and to push our states towards um, putting this as a priority is what needs to happen, and that only comes through education and awareness.
0: As you say, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Correct. Right. Well, Richard Grant, thank you so much for helping to shine a light on this uh, crisis that we're facing in the nation's infrastructure. I really appreciate your time.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. That was Richard Grant of Russell Corrosion Consultants. Hope you enjoyed the show. I'm Bob Bowman, managing editor of Supply Chain Brain. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch over 1,000 videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. See you next time.